0: Thank you. Thank you.
1: Hey, church family, I'm here to show you guys today how you can share our church content on social media platforms. The first is Facebook. All you gotta do is go and find the post you'd like to share. You hit the share button. There's a little spot you can say something about the post or you can just post it and all you have to do is hit the post button. The next is Instagram, which is my personal favorite. All you have to do is go to the post and there's a little paper airplane button below and you hit add this post to your story. And the last one I have is Twitter. All you have to do is go to the tweet, hit the little arrows, and press the Retreat button. And it's that easy. Every time you share, it reaches a whole other group of people that our page wouldn't reach on its own. And this is just another way you can spread the gospel
2: and I'm here with our front of house sound engineer, Larry. And we have some volunteer opportunities that we would love to tell you about.
3: Yes, what we're looking for is some people with some technical ability that also have an ear for both sound and music. If that's you, you can go out to the Welcome Center, get an application, fill it out, and turn that in, and then we can get
2: back with you. Absolutely, so just fill out the application. If you want to be a part of our team, there's many places that you can serve, and it ranges from beginner to expert. So please, just fill out an application. We'd love to contact you and be a part of the worship
4: team.
5: Hi, Only Believe, this is Eric. I just wanna give you a quick update of what's going on in your church. We've been doing outreaches all summer long. We've had the privilege of blessing Agape Ministries in Sydney, Ohio with five truckloads of food. They were amazed, they were just blessed by it. That's what we're doing to make a difference in our our communities. We also had the chance of blessing the Salvation Army with several school supplies for needy children. And we're talking about kids that don't have backpacks, they don't have school supplies like pens and pencils and papers. We're able to bless them with lots of those supplies. And last but not least, you've seen Dave Hewitt more than once, Uh, get to share some updates about the Sydney Farmers Market, what we're doing with our hot dog cart, with our clothing distribution, giving bottles of water away. We've had the chance of giving over 1,000 hot dogs away over the last several weeks to needy families, the people that are just walking by. We're planting seeds of righteousness with these people, and we're making a difference. We're getting a chance to pray with many people. Some are receiving Christ as their savior. But I just wanna encourage you, church, we are doing all we can to make a difference because we are rescuers. We thank you for your support. We thank you for your prayers. If you'd like to be a part, of the Sydney Farmers Market, the hot dog distribution, the water distribution that we do on a regular basis. You can go to the Welcome Center and sign up or see Dave Hewitt. Thanks again for what you're doing. Thank you for all, your, for all your support. We're making a difference for the kingdom. God bless you.
3: All right, well, good morning, church. Welcome to Only Believe this morning, a family of faith where everyone has a place and a purpose. That includes you. Point at yourself and say, that means me. That was, that was poor participation, but that's okay. I'll give you a pass this time. Hey, you know, I was thinking this morning as I was coming to church, I knew I was going to open up service, and I thought, you know what? Every Sunday is kind of a little bit like a family reunion, because the Bible says that we are the children of God. We're the sons and daughters of God, which means we're brothers and sisters in Christ. So I need you to do me a favor. Look to the person sitting next to you. If it's your spouse, say, good morning, good looking. Then look to the person on the other side, and if that's not your spouse, say, I'm so glad you're here. Very good. We are glad that you guys are here. If you're a first-time guest with us this morning, we're so glad that you're with us. And in the seat in front of you, on the back of that seat, there's a first-time guest card. If you'd like for us to reach out to you and get to know who you are, you can grab that card, fill it out, and turn it in at the Welcome Center in the lobby. We would love to connect with you and get to know you. We also want to say welcome to our live streamers this morning. We know that there are many of you watching over the live stream. Thank you for joining us, and we believe today is going to be a blessing to you as well. I got a couple of announcements for you. Uh, the first one is this. Just a reminder that we're continuing to pray all this month as a congregation, uh, Mondays through Thursdays through the rest of this month. Uh, if you want to know what we're praying about and when the church is open for you to come here and pray, you need to get on social media. Check out the church's Facebook page and you'll find out everything we're praying for and when the church is open for you to come here and pray. And then tonight we are super excited that our Campus in Kenton, Only Believe at Kenton, is opening their brand new building. They have a brand new church building. It is beautiful. Uh, The capacity is much greater than their previous location. So they're going to do great things for God in Kenton. And we're so excited to see the growth there. That service is tonight at 630. So if you're at home tonight and you're not doing anything worthwhile... I want to encourage you to come out to Kenton, join us for their opening celebration. We're going to be dedicating the building. Pastor's going to be there preaching. It's going to be super exciting, and they would love to have you guys there with them. So uh, without further ado, one thing I want to say is that every family reunion, uh, there's normally food. There's no food here today, so that's a little depressing. But one thing we do at our family reunion every Sunday as we celebrate our Father. And the Bible says that we have a good Father, and it is His good pleasure to give us His kingdom. We serve a good Father, and it is an honor to celebrate and worship Him this morning. So would you stand with us as we worship our Father?
6: I would say unto my people that this is a new season. This day, this time right now is a new season, saith the Lord. I have the power, the authority to change times, to change seasons. There is a season to mourn. There is a season to sow. There is a season for everything. But there is a season of blessing. There is a season of harvest. And it is now, saith God. It is time that... We walk in and shall walk in my blessing, saith God. I am God and I am faithful. I have spoken it and it shall come to pass. But I shall challenge my people. This is a different season, so try doing something different. Use your faith. Extend your faith. Do something that you've never done before. If you give, give more. If you pray, pray more. If you fast, fast more. It is a new time. It is a new season, saith the Lord.
7: There was a dream that I had. And as I was walking down this road, there was a woods that these bulldo- bulldozers, earth movers, whatever you want to call them, were moving out the trees. They were reforming the land, reshaping it for something new. But they came against, against obstacles. They came against big boulders that were buried into the earth. And they could not dig them out by man's strength. So they pulled in the boulders, big, big ones, the biggest ones they could get, trying to dig these boulders out of the earth. But these boulders were so strong they were breaking down this massive machinery. And as I walked past, all of a sudden, when the men were giving up hope and they were in such despair and they couldn't understand what on earth was kind of a boulders or these all of a sudden those boulders rise up out of the ground and they became alive they were not boulders of god they were boulders of wickedness and they began to rise up and they began to come out one after the other and when i looked at them i looked at them and i said who are you acting in my own strength not even realizing that I was acting in my own strength. And they begin to rise up and they begin to chase me, one after another, and it was multitudes. And these boulders were so huge that when they came up out of the ground, they were as high, if not higher, than the ceiling of this building. There were multitudes in many of them. And I'm running, and I'm running, and I'm running from them. And I'm crying out, Jesus, help me. And I'm crying out, I rebuke you, I rebuke you doing all the things that I thought that I was right in doing. But there was one thing that I realized I was lacking. I was so consumed by the fear that I did not realize that I forsook faith. And as I was running and running and running, and they just came to the point to where they were actually about to overtake me, and I was just about to be drowned in them. I stopped suddenly and I heard this voice said, where's your faith? All of a sudden I stopped and I reached down and I grabbed this big stick that was beside me and I just stopped. And when I stopped, they stopped and looked at me and wondered, what are you doing? And I took the stick and I drew a line in the sand, in the dirt. And I said, this is the line of the blood of Christ and you will not cross. All of a sudden I saw those multitudes of humanic boulder demons raise their heads up and I'm wondering what are they looking at and as soon as they raised their heads there was like a terror come across their face and they began to ran and they ran back into the holes in which they came from and I was puzzled and bewildered and I turned and looked and there was Jesus higher and taller and bigger than any one of those monstrous demons he was with me he was with me and it took a word of faith believing and not my fear and the word of the lord would say to you you are shaken today The lands are shaken today. The earth is being reformed. The governments are being reformed. And you may be looking at it in fear. But God says to you, be not shaken in the fear of the enemy. Stop that. I'm with you. I am greater. I am bigger than any demon. All of hell. But if you will turn and look to me. And allow your shaking to be changed from shaking to fear the enemy to shaking in me, in faith. And allow those things that the enemy has put upon you become shaken off. Shake, but shake in the right manner. Be stripped of everything that the enemy has put upon you. Because I have a position for you, church. I have a work for you to do. It's your responsibility to turn this thing around. Look to me in faith. Declare my word in faith. You've got to believe me. I'm with you. I'm for you. I've already won the victory. Just carry it out. Be shaken, loosened of the things of this world. In Jesus' name.
1: The Lord gave me a vision. I'm going to give you the interpretation. There was a man in a, it was an army, green hat, and he's down in the trenches. He's got his head down. He's the only one there. And there are people walking beside him, just looking, not even understanding that they're in the middle of a battle. The Lord is saying, this is a battle and you have to engage. You have got to pick up the sword right now. We are in a battle not against flesh and blood. We are not in a battle against our friends. We are not in a battle against our government. We are in a battle universally against the devil. We have got to understand that this day and this hour is an hour of seriousness. We must engage. Too many people are sitting back and they're not discerning the time or the season or the hour. And the Lord is saying, pick up the sword. I have given you the sword of the spirit. I have given you the tools. I've given you everything you need, but you have got to pick it up and you must engage right now. The season is at hand, says God, and it is time to engage. Do not sit back. Do not be apathetic. Pick it up and move forward and take back the ground, says the Lord.
2: Yeah. Hey.
4: For it is a fight of faith it is not a leisurely walk through the roses in our lives today amen god promised us that trial and tribulation would come but he also guaranteed your victory through every one of them hallelujah you gotta fight right fight right only believe ministries we are a generous people we believe and put our trust and hope In God as our provider amen not the things of this world not in any other God not in any other system but in the system of God that's why we tithe today I want to read the scripture to you Job 31 if you were here on Wednesday night I read it to you the 24th and 25th verse and then I'm going to jump to 28 and it says if I have made gold my hope or said to the fine gold Thou art my confidence. If I rejoiced because my wealth was great and because mine hand had gotten much. Jump down to 28, it says, This also were an infirmity to be punished by the judge. For I should have denied the God that is above. And that means above in 24 and 25, the God of gold the God of your hand that said, you got the wealth. You made this possible. See, as believers that only believe, we don't trust in the things of this earth. We don't trust in fine gold. We don't trust in the work of our hand, though we're hard workers. And we believe that a man that does not work does not eat. But we also understand that the provision that we can provide is not near enough for what God needs to do in this kingdom today. What's $30,000 gonna do? What's your wage every year going to do? Because there's more people that need the gospel than our money can buy. See, when the Israelites were in the wilderness, there came a point that there was nothing else they could do. It wouldn't matter if they had stockpiled money, stockpiled food, it wouldn't have mattered. It would have all ran out. Only the provision of God in a supernatural way could come forth. Today I remind you, we don't serve a natural God. We serve a supernatural God who provides far above and more than you could ever imagine. But like our prophecies came forth and said, if we don't do with what we've been given, and that what the word speaks for us to do, you and I, then it doesn't happen. So the reason we tithe is to put our trust in something far greater than man or this earth, and not in ourselves. Amen? We serve a God who is our provider. Today, let's remember that as we tithe. Because you can't stop the work of heaven from happening when you do what it says to do and use faith and put your hope and confidence in God above. That's where our reliance comes from. Amen? All right, today we're going to tithe here. Father, we just lift up, Father, our giving to you. Mine's in my Bible. I remembered today. Lord, I thank you, God, for the gift, God, that we get to give to you. Father, I thank you that we get to practice obedience in the house of God. Father, that we give you a tenth of what it is that you've given us. Father, we give back to you what was already yours, knowing, God, that the promise is true in the word that says you will open up the windows of heaven for a blessing that we cannot contain. All in much, God, that we could turn around and do the work of the kingdom again and again and again. We thank you, Lord. And we praise you, Lord, that your word will not return void in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Don't forget our mission ball in the middle. If you want to give significantly two missions directly, that's your goal. Otherwise, your tithe can hit the bucket.
8: Praise God forever. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I know that uh, Nikki gave you a lot of information last week and uh, to put us all kind of on the same page here. Today they're going to pass out some uh, guidelines. Uh, did you get the, the other ones, Nikki? Yeah. Did, did she? do you? Yeah, thank you, David. Hurry up, David. It's something about that name, David's. All right. So we, uh, this will give you an outline of what's happening today and why we are doing it. And uh, the first thing I want to uh, put you into remembrance is what we believe. And the reason that we're doing this is because we are starting something to engraft people into the kingdom of God and cause them to be more successful quicker and to be a more effective disciple at a quicker pace. And so, and that is the vision of our church is making uh, disciples so that they can win the world. And so in what we believe, we believe that the Bible is the only infallible and authoritative written word of God. Now, there are many claims that others are, but the Bible declares unto us that God confirms it with signs following And so the scriptures are confirmed by supernatural signs and wonders. We believe that there is one God eternally existent in three persons. The God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Ghost, Matthew 28, 19, and many others. But in this, we see that there is a triune Godhead. That triune Godhead is three individual people, personalities existent in one. It's kind of like water. You have water, you can have steam, and you have ice. They're all the same, but they different in their purpose. We believe in the deity of our Lord Jesus Christ. We believe in his virgin birth, his sinless life, his miracles, his substitutionary and atoning death, his bodily resurrection, his ascension into the right hand of the Father, and his personal future return to this earth in power and glory. We believe. That Jesus Christ was the only begotten Son of God. We believe that He was God in the flesh. We believe that when He died on the cross, He was dying as a man for our sins, yet He died God. Now we find that in Acts 20th chapter, verse 28, that God Himself hath redeemed us. By his blood. Then we believe in the blessed hope. Hallelujah. The rapture of the church. Now this is something that many churches don't preach, don't declare anymore, but we here at Only Believe believe in the rapture of the church. We believe in the coming of Jesus Christ for his bride. Then we believe that uh, that the only means of being cleansed from sin is through repentance and faith in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. There is no other way to be freed from sin. There is no other way to atone for sin except a sinless lamb, that which was born of God, that which was God, as He died for our sins. We believe that the regeneration by the Holy Spirit is absolutely essential for personal salvation. In other words, we believe that there must be a renewed, a reconstruction, a new birth brought about By the word of God and the work of the Holy Ghost. We believe in a regeneration and then we believe that the redemptive works of Christ on the cross provide healing for the human body in answer to the believing prayer of faith. We believe that Jesus has provided for us not only a new life of the spirit, of eternal life, but we believe that he came to give us an inheritance, abundant life, that takes place and is received for this mortal body. And then we believe in the infilling of the Holy Ghost according to Acts 2, 4, 8, 15 through 17, Acts 19, 1 through 17, We believe that it is a divine, separate act of usage of faith. The Bible says in Luke the 13th chapter, the 11th chapter, I'm sorry, that if you would ask your father for the Holy Ghost, will he not give it, insinuating to us that first the new birth must precede the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Amen. All right. In water baptism, as an outward sign of the, to the world of the regeneration of the inner man, but not by the washing away of sins. Only the blood of Jesus Christ atoned for sin. Amen? Then we believe in the sanctifying power of the Holy Ghost by whose indwelling the Christian is enabled to live a life of holiness. We find that the spirit that raised up Christ from the dead now dwells in a body. He shall mortify the deeds of our flesh. There is nothing impossible for the believer to overcome and to resist because who dwells on the inside of him. Then we believe in the resurrection both of the saved and the lost, of the just and of the unjust, into everlasting life, the other into everlasting damnation. We believe in the absolute existence of heaven and hell. Hallelujah. So I want to talk to you today somewhat about the doctrine of our church how we can get engrafted, how we can get it engrafted in us. I had someone say this to me, and I said, well, you know the scriptures, and they said, well, that's what it means to you. But understand that all scripture, all scripture is given by inspiration of the Holy Ghost. That means all of it. And it was given unto holy men who were moved, inspired by the Holy Ghost at the set time of God. And the Bible says that there is no special interpretation of any scripture. It must be received in content and it must be received in the nature or the character of God himself. And so no scripture can be taken out and it turned, it redefined, or for it to say something special to you that it does not mean in God's intent. Could again, amen? And we have to be careful of that. And I'm not against uh, all the different interpretations. I think probably that... A lot of them have great insight. A lot of them go back to this word, that word, and uh, the Greek and the and, uh, Hebrew and all that. And that's great, but the Greek and the Hebrew are not inspired of God. Amen. Yes. The Strong's is not infallible. You now It sounded like I was cussing, didn't it? No, no, no. The, the Strong's concordance and the Binds and the lexicons are not inspired of God. The scripture is inspired of God. Amen. And all definitions that are put into in, in uh, translations are simply an attempt to help you understand the intent of the scripture or of the word. And so what we can't do is take the dictation or the definition or the attempt to get something across to you in place of what the Scripture soundly establishes. Amen? Amen? All right, so let's start today. Let's go to Proverbs 16.25. Proverbs 16.25, why do we have doctrine? Why do we, uh, are we even interested in it? So we're going to find out today. Proverbs 16.25, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So what can separate us from the way of man? The way that man thinks, the way that man thinks it should be, the way that a man responds. The only way that we can do that is to have an alternative. The alternative must be found in something that pleases God. The word way simply means that there is a path or a direction that may look right to man. But in the way of man, no matter how pure it is, there is the end of death. And then the word way means the manner. It means the habit of how we do things. And then it also means that it establishes the way means the moral character for life. And man is in a great gulf today trying to reestablish the morality of America and the world. Have you seen lately where they are pushing now for pedophilia to be legalized? that it is an alternative lifestyle now. And it will get worse, and it will get darker, and it'll get more wicked. But understand that there is a way that looks right to man in all of his reasonings and rhymes, but there is only one way that leads to life, and that is the way of God. And doctrine is a revelation of the way that God does things and the way that God requires man to respond. Not that man's perfect in his response, but there is an intent and a motive that he wants to do what God wants him to do. Amen. Colossians 2, 6, and 7 says this, But as ye have therefore received Jesus Christ, so walk in Him. Rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith that you you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. So it talks to us about rooting and grounding by the things that we have been taught. Today we are so flippant about what we believe. People just are not committed to the absolute necessity of this infallible Word ruling their life. And we must, as Christians, remember there is a two-fold requirement that if you declare that Jesus is Lord, you must then do His sayings. Amen. We can't just take half of it. We can't be Sadducees and Pharisees and hypocrites. We have to be changed by the Scripture. And when we make Jesus Christ as Lord of our life, what do we make Him? We make Him the supreme ruler of everything that we do, think, and say. Amen? Well, I haven't done that. Then we need to go back to the altars. Right. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. All right. Now, there is the process that we're going to discuss here in just a moment of becoming a mature disciple. A mature disciple. One that is able to use the Word of God, Hebrews 5. 12 through 14, in a righteous way that we are able to assimilate what God is trying to put in our life. But we can also learn things, yet never incorporate them, and that means that we stay as children in the kingdom. I don't know about you. The Bible tells us that we are to be changed in the fullness of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And so we are going to be changed. Somebody say changed. We don't, I don't know about you. I just don't want to live my life looking at sin and then not receiving the reward of righteousness. Either I want to get in or I want to get out. I don't want to be lukewarm. I I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to be something other than what God has designed for me to be. Amen. All right. Now, let's go to 2 Timothy 3, verse 14 through 16. And so as we start looking at this today, we understand that you and I, we, those that declare that Jesus is Lord, Jesus said, How do you call me Lord and not do what I say? Amen. Remember when the Pharisee said, We're not a born of fornication. We are our father, Abraham. Jesus said, If Abraham was really your father you'd be doing the works of abraham so everyone that declares the new birth taking place in their life i know it may seem difficult to you today it may seem like way out there but if you don't produce fruit that resembles he that has Recreated you, caused you to be born again, then you just don't belong to Him. Now, please understand, I got to soften this up because people freak out. But what I'm telling you is there is a process. There is a process that you follow to make that transition take place. Amen. All right, what if you could replace all your thoughts with God's thoughts? Would you have any sin? Mm. What if you could replace His desire with the desire to lust or to have? Be no sin. Well, that's what the doctrines of Scripture do. They establish a way for you and I to do it the way that God would have us do it. Now, 2 Timothy says, but continue thou in those things which thou hast learned. Somebody say, "Learn." learn. And hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures Notice that the scriptures are holy, which are also able to make you wise, unveil to you the secrets of how to receive your inheritance in Christ under salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scriptures, somebody say all, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, next verse, that the man of God may be perfect, perfect, perfect. I hear people say all the time, oh, you just can't be perfect. Paul didn't know that. So he told us, that if we would learn the scriptures, establish doctrine, and allow the doctrine to reprove us and to correct us, that we could be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Amen. Doctrine help us establish that which causes us to be victorious in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, if we are ever to be followers of Jesus, we must establish his will over our will and turn from our own. Remember his statement in the garden, not my will, God, but thine be done. That really is to be the foundation of every move and every decision that we make. There's always two roads. One leads to destruction. One leads to righteousness. One leads to eternal life. One leads to an eternal hell. There's always a choice to be made. But because we are Christians, somebody say, I belong to Jesus. Jesus. So we are the people of God. Therefore, we choose God's way. Amen? Amen? All right. The first thing that we must do in order to arrive at that, we must, without question, accept the Bible as God's word, His way, and His will. In Acts, Paul said this, The Thessalonians took what I said went home and proved whether they were the words of a man or the words of God. And they resigned that what Paul was preaching was the word of God. See, it doesn't matter what brother so-and-so said. It doesn't matter the title of his book. It doesn't matter how charismatic he is. It is only the word of God that has the power to transform a human being and the power to stop the adversary. But we must accept this right here. There are no alternatives. There are no books that are comparable. There is nobody's revelation that is equal. There is nobody else's religion that matches. This is the only place of the voice, the will, and the word of God. You say, well, you're trying to make yourself better. No, I'm not. I'm telling you that God said this is it, and this is it. And if we don't believe that, then there is no absolute. Number two we have to receive it as it's God's voice. That God is actually speaking to us through the scripture. It is the voice of God given by the Holy Ghost and it's been written and all we have to do is hear the voice that is in the written word. And so we have to give it heed. Don't read the Bible while you're watching TV at commercial time. Look, the word of God will fall upon hearts, some stony, some filled with thorns and thistles. But we need to hear what God is saying. Amen? We need to study to show ourself approved. Then number three, discovering God's voice, His word, His will, and His direction means nothing unless you respond to it in line with faith. Well, you know, I knew I shouldn't have done that, but I did it anyway. So we're supposed to send you a birthday cake. What are we supposed to do if someone chooses their way over God's way? What do we do if we fall into the habit of choosing our way over God's way? Come on, I'm talking to you about an unchangeable, unmovable doctrine i'm talking to you about what your salvation is based upon and your eternal life is found in i'm talking to you about the place where your faith is born and it cannot be watered down And it must not be replaced by books, education, CD, podcast. I guess uh, still uh, cassette tapes. I don't guess they'll ever go out. God probably got a cassette tape up in heaven because he's trying to hear what we think. Because he's saying, I never said that. Number four, we have to believe. Please hear me. We have to believe that faith comes by hearing what this is saying. And as we hear on any given subject, faith will be born. Well, well, how, how will I know when it's born? Because you'll see the effects of it. Your life will change. Your attitudes will change. Your verbiage will change. Your love for other people will change. We believe that this scripture is filled with life. That this scripture itself is called the book of life. And it alone, it alone standing by itself You don't need a book to help you. A child can understand it. You don't need a companion book. All you need is this book. And it, we believe that it is filled with the truth, doctrine, and that it is inspired and infallible. Without error, we believe that. Could have given an amen. And then, how does this take place in our life? The first thing is real basic. We need to read the Bible. We need to read it. Read it is like receiving it. When they gave the scroll to John, here, take and eat. In other words, when we are reading, we are receiving down into the inside of us the nutrients that are necessary for us to live a spiritual life. Amen. Hallelujah. The second thing we need to do, we need to study Oh, I, I don't know how to study. You'll learn. The Holy Ghost will help you. Yeah. Yeah. So we need to study. In Acts, the seventeenth chapter, we need to memorize Scripture. We think on all kinds of things through the day. The other day, I, I was, we was getting ready to go into a gun shop, and oh, we're well, really an archery shop. And Quentin said, oh, man, I didn't bring a mask, Papa. I said, well, I got one, so uh, I'll go in. You wait out here. It'll be cheaper. (laughs) (laughs) Which is the truth. But he said, you got a sock in here? I said, well, I don't know. This is my mom's car. So sure enough, he found a pair of socks. They were clean. So he finds a pair of scissors. I have no idea what Phyllis has got all this stuff in here. She's got clothes, she's got knives, she's got bottle openers. I don't know, it must be a survival SUV. I I don't know. But if you're going to get lost someplace in a survival mode, you want to get the car that your kids have raising your grandchildren in. Because there's tons of unused food in there and so Quentin takes this sock and cuts it in half I'm thinking to myself what is wrong with this kid well believe it or not he's on YouTube and he finds out how to make a mask out of a sock and so he puts it on and it sure looked a whole lot better Than my four-cent one that I have to probably say that I stole someplace that was giving them away free. But his looks so much better. I almost want to say, could you make me one? But then if it didn't fit, he'd say, your ears are too big. There's not enough material. So we need to memorize scriptures. We need to meditate upon the word. Think about it. Regurgitate it. Go over and over and over. Over and over. And then we need to put action to it. Now, what also helps the Scripture to become alive? What makes God real? Just information or treating Him like He exists. In other words, it's called prayer. Talk to God like you would talk to anyone else that you respected. Prayer is simply talking to God, and in that prayer, it shows that we are devoted to building a relationship with Him. And if we take one step, God will take a hundred steps. And so prayer is something that we need to do. And while we are praying, guess what God does? He's not silent. He gives us direction. He gives us insight. He gives us ways to solve life's problems. Because when we talk, guess what? God answers. God answers. And we do need to use Jesus as our model. He prayed every day. And you and I need to pray every day. Every day we need to pray. Not just, God, help me. I need a blessing. Quickly, God, if you do this for me, I'll I'll make up for it later. Most of us are so deeply indebted to God, we're never going to make it up. (laughs) Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Number two, when you use prayer, you know you're able to keep your heart right with God. Because during prayer is when we forgive those that have wronged us. Remember Matthew 6, the Lord's Prayer? Forgive them that have wronged me, God. And do to them what I wanted to do to them. No, we forgive because in prayer, we ask for forgiveness. We need to pray. In prayer, you can take a stand against your enemy, Satan. And then, in prayer, we can release our faith and walk away with confidence that God has heard us God has heard us. You know, I don't think, well, maybe God hears this as much as I hear it. You didn't hear a word I said, did you? I said, yeah, you said this. Oh, I'm sorry. If I had a dollar for every time she said I was sorry, I'd be driving a Lamborghini. How many of you have been accused of, you aren't hearing me at all? God always hears when faith is involved. Amen? All right. The second thing that we, as a church, thrive on is fellowship. You've heard it, birds of a feather flock together. Well, it's true that you and I need to have fellowship one with another. Iron sharpens iron. What if there is nothing to strike it against? We become dull. The Bible says in Acts 2.46 to 2.47, it says that they went from house to house breaking bread, sharing bread, the word of what God had been doing. That was fellowship. And in that fellowship, lo and behold, a miracle happens. The church is added to daily. Well, 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 the church will get bigger. It does get bigger. But it also gets smaller at the same time. Because as they attend Solomon's porch... To the assembly they are still going from house to house small group to small group meeting people one with another why do we meet people because of the gifts of the Holy Ghost that are in us are unprofitable unless they're being used to help other people but in a home setting I remember one time you remember this Phyllis we was uh, at uh, Leonard's house and I came home from the foundry and uh, I'd been working in the foundry and uh, I was smoking a cigarette and lighting this furnace and I heard this voice say finish that cigarette it's going to be your last one I thought, man, I'm, I'm not going to like this big furnace. I'm going to get so-and-so. That, I, that might be a warning. I'm going to get blowed up. I'm going to get Joe down there and let him get blowed up. Well, I went home at lunchtime, and I went to where Phyllis was, and I said, do you know where Leonard's mother lives? She said, no, honey, I don't. So I waited, and Leonard came home for uh, lunch. And Phyllis and Leonard's wife was there. And I said, hey, Leonard, where does your mother live? He said, go down here and turn. And and then he told me uh, where the house was. And I said, okay, thank you. I didn't eat lunch that day. I jumped in my car. And I drove to Leonard's mom's house. And I knocked on the door. And she said these words. She opened it and she said, Get right over there at that chair and get down on your knees. We've been praying for you all morning. And I said, you don't know me. She said, it doesn't matter. Get over to that chair. Well, what's worse than an angry woman, an old angry woman? And I prayed that day at that chair. She was there fellowshipping with other old women. What did they do during fellowship? They shared the power of God. They shared visions that they had. They shared dreams, and they shared their faith. They created prayer partners that knew them and that would stand with them. You know, Ecclesiastes says, how can one walk alone? He'll get cold. That may be the very reason that many people backslide. Maybe be very, the very reason why many people just all the time are going around half cocked. One wheel on the track, one wheel off the track waiting for an offense, wait, just waiting for something to happen because they're alone. We need to have good friends that will reprove us. Amen? So it leads us to the place that if we go to war, we could lose. But when you have friends, now Bud Lively's been my friend and if, I call him sometimes and just ask him, Bud, how'd the message go? Well, Pastor, sometimes people hit it and sometimes people miss it. You want to know which person you was today? I say, no, Bud, I'll call you back later. But Bud doesn't reject me. He just says, well, you know, Pastor, sometimes you got to put honey on the toast. But didn't I put honey No, Pastor, you hit him with the bottle. (laughs) So Bud has been my friend for years. He's been a place that I could go to for counsel. He's been a place that he has freedom in my life. He can come talk to me or I can go to talk to him. And most of my problems and the times that I'm down, I can solve in a 10-minute phone call to Brother Bud Lively. Now, Bud might be doing everything, anything, fixing a plumber, uh, uh, doing a toilet, doing a furnace, doing an air conditioner, might be working on a car. He might be doing anything, but he's always got time to talk with me. Fellowship creates people that we can depend on and that will support us, that we can share our visions and dreams with. Find a group to be a part of. Everybody needs friends. Everybody needs friends. You know, if you have a friend that has two or three kids, have them over to your house. Send them all out in the yard with their kids. That way they'll watch each other, or at least they'll scream loud enough to let you know if something went wrong. Begin to build friends because you will in one day need them. Amen. Amen. And so we need to have friendships. We need to have fellowships. And we can do that by getting involved in what we're calling small groups. Well, yeah, but I don't like small groups. Small groups help us overcome things that we're dealing with right now. So what is wrong with a small group if you come out the better? There's nothing wrong with it. It's just that religion, the customs and the commandments of men rub us the wrong way and we just don't want to do anything new. Yep, hallelujah. And then I want to talk to you about living a spirit-filled life. Filled. Somebody say filled. Filled. Now, the only way you can live a spirit-filled life is that you control what comes in so that you can control what goes out. In other words, you're going to have to begin to bring in things like speaking to yourselves in Psalms, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart unto the Lord. I had a guy that's in the church right now and I didn't appreciate this remark at all when he made it to me the other day when he said, yeah, well, I heard pastor singing in the shower. What I want to know is what are you doing with your ear up to my door in my shower? Now, I'm just kidding you. that, But he did tell me I heard... You singing in the shower. Well, thank God he heard me doing something for the kingdom of God. And so we have to make sure that our entertainment is right, our friends are right. The people that are speaking to us are right. The radio station is right. You listen to that country and Western, it'll backmask you, man. Yeah, don't don't do it. You're liable to get your wife back. Your hound dog liable to come back and you get to move back into your trailer. (laughs) Don't, Don't do that. Hallelujah. So we understand that the Holy Ghost, somebody say, is a real person. Real person. He's not an it. He is a real person. We believe that the Holy Ghost reveals truth, and unveils scriptures to us and gives us the mysterious directions of God out of parables. He reveals them to us. The Holy Ghost, what a great partner. He convicts us of sin. And if you've never been convicted of sin, then you've missed what the Holy Ghost wants to do more than anything protect and promote holiness the holy ghost empowers us to live like jesus and to produce character in our life romans 8:13 the holy ghost equips us with nine somebody say nine Nine spiritual gifts. When you receive the Holy Ghost, you receive the evidence of speaking in tongues, but that is also evidence not only of His indwelling and His entrance into your life, but that there are eight other gifts that He is willing to enable and to empower you with. He empowers us to love other people. Man, there's something about the Holy Ghost. He just enables us to love people. The Holy Ghost helps us discover God's direction for our life. We are led by the Spirit of God. He gives us dreams, visions. He speaks to us and shows us a clear way. Then the last thing that we as a church believe in our doctrine. Pastor Nikki, when when I hear her take the offering, I'm amazed because I want to give. And I've even seen her mother give. And that's saying something. Have you ever heard an old nail come out of a wet piece of wood? That's how every dollar sounds being peeled off of Phyllis's roll. She calls it frugal. I call it stingy. She calls it being a good manager. I call it torturing me. Listen, if you go to steal a dollar in the morning to get a cup of coffee headed to Bob Fistles to go fishing. It'll go, and she wakes up. There's something not right about that. But the gospel reveals to us the ultimate act of giving. God so loved his world that he gave his only begotten son. We, by nature... Are givers Amen. we by nature it's in us to give it's in us to receive there are three major ways that people can give one of them is that we give our time have you ever heard time is money yeah. time is money secondly we can give by our talents using what you have. I can't tell you how many cars that Bud Lively has fixed for free and charge nobody. Then I, I, I can't tell you the number of cars that David has fixed, and then we've had to take them to Bud. and then we can give our treasures. That doesn't just mean jewelry and stuff. It means the treasures, that which you put a great value on. You might not believe this, but giving draws us closer to God. Because where your heart is or where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. And if you give generously to God, guess what? He'll draw nigh to you. Why? Because He knows there's some place, someone that is available to Him. And then we, as givers, when we give, it makes us a master over greed and materialism call in in 2 Timothy, it calls us, 1 Timothy, I'm sorry, the 6th chapter, calls us to give to do good works. Because if we don't, we will pierce ourselves through with many sorrows. So we have to make sure that we are givers. We need to give willingly. Somebody say willingly. You know, now at my house, Quentin told me the other, the other day when we was headed for that archery shop, he said, how much money do you think you can get out of my mom today? And I said, I've got my own. He said, oh, well, let's go. He did. He asked me, how much do you think we can get out of my mom? Willingly, not much. But unwillingly. Have you ever had your wife give you money and as she's counting it, she's complaining, reminding you how big a failure you have been, how much you have spent since the day that you got made, and, and she goes, you know, the tally is now up to $1.3 million and $37.19. I just when is this gonna end? <laughs>
0: <laughs> end, end, end.
8: Well, when you give, you make yourself a master of materialism, but you must do it willingly. Then you must do it with a cheerful heart. God loves a hilarious giver. Phyllis has never giggled when I've asked for money. And it will require sacrifice. There's sometimes that we just have to put things before ourselves, and that is an act of love. And then, as we are giving, we must also, at the same time, expect a harvest. And I have been faithful to bring harvest back to Phyllis for every dollar she's given me. I brought shotguns home, I brought fishing poles, I brought bow and arrows. It's up boats, always bringing it back and telling her, here's your harvest, honey. Don't try that at home because you might end up in the hospital. Those are things that I as a pastor am incorporating because we as a church, I believe this, that we are on the verge of the greatest revival of the end time. And we have to be better at what we've done. We have to be more devoted to how we're doing it We've got to be more unified in what we're doing. Now, I was going to speak to one section of the church today, but I'm going to speak to the whole church. Do you know why I came to Bokkins? To preach faith. I didn't want to come here. In fact... I told God before he opened up the ceiling of the church in that little dirt floor building that I said, I'm leaving town. I said, I didn't come here to be a hillbilly preacher, and that's not a scorn on hillbillies. It's just, that's what I said. But God brought me here to build a church. And lately I have realized that the faith of one can only do so much. But if everybody has a measure of faith, it's like a talent. And if I could get everybody to use their faith on something other than things and the like, that I could multiply my faith. And that I could really make a spiritual significance in that one could put a thousand to flight, two could put ten thousand a flight, and if two agree on touching anything, that it will be done of our Heavenly Father. So I said, Well, I guess I'll just go to the only resource of faith that I have, the church. Now, I don't expect you not to use your faith for other things, but I'm going to ask you. And some of you will say yes and do nothing. I understand that. Many of you will say yes and do more than what I could ever imagine. But, I think it'll all balance out. But I'm going to ask you to use your faith for the most important treasure that this world has ever been touched with. The souls of men. Now, I'm not going to ask you just to pray for souls. I'm going to ask you to find souls to go after souls, to seek them out. Wherever they might be, seek them out. Because really, night is coming. And believe me, it's going to come. It will come faster than the covert virus showed up. It will set in motion things faster than the declaration of a government. And believe me, it will be just that quick. And so we must work. I mean, we've got to get after it. Amen? We've got to get after it. No matter who. We're talking to you remember Rick, two or three weeks ago, we're in uh, Bob Evans. Are you his? Gee, I was going to say, man, you look far better than that. Anyway, but we was in Bob Evans, and this girl was waiting on us. And I said, hey, how are you doing? She said, great. I said, uh, you live around here? She said, yeah. She said, I moved back in January. I said, uh, oh, I said, well, you go to church? She said, well, I've been to two or three of them, but I'm just not welcome. I said, really? I said, well, why don't you come to my church? She said, well, my partner. I said, oh, yeah. She said, "Uh, you know what that means. I said, yeah. I said, that means that, you know, you're a lesbian. Yes, yeah, okay. I said, uh, but did I ask you your sexual orientation or your preference, did I ask you anything? She said, no, but people don't accept me. They shun me at the churches I've been to in this area. I said, well, come to my church. I said, because I'll accept you. You can come, but understand that you can come and hear the Word and, you know, if if you want to join our worship, you can. I said, but you understand that I believe in the infallible Word of God. It never changes. I said, so you are welcome, but you can't be a member because I would not accept your proclamation of Christianity. She said, I understand that. She said, I respect you for standing up for what you believe. And I said, and I expect, respect you for who you are. I said, but you need to come to our church. She said, but my kids... Well, if anybody says anything, they're not reflecting me and they aren't reflecting God. So, you know, you always have people in there that, you know, like your kids, they just say anything and don't know nothing. I said, I want you to come to our church. And she said, you know what, I think that we'll pay a visit. And then we couldn't get away from her, could we? And then she comes up there, and she's got a cast on, and she comes right out in front of everybody and says, hey, would you guys pray for my foot before you go? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And Rick got out the little changed person. He said, just put your offering here. Pastor's going to pray. And uh, uh, I'm looking for that girl to come to our church. I'm looking for that girl to get saved. I'm looking for that girl that went through a divorce and even though it wasn't her fault, she was being beat, abused, and somebody helped her out of that situation, and then her church threw her out and shunned her. So in her disappointment and hurt, she made a wrong decision. I don't know if she is or if she isn't, I don't know if she's demon-possessed or if she's not, but I do know that it's not God's will that any should perish. Amen. Amen. Look for people. I'm going to ask you to make it your priority to bring a backslider or an unsaved person to church with you. You mean you really want me to talk to people? Yeah, somebody talked to you one time. Amen? They shared Jesus with you. and So I'm going to ask everybody in this place that we go into all the world. I'm going to ask you to become a soul winner. I'm going to ask you that if you drag them in here, that God will free them while they're here. And that they'll be saved, washed, and filled with the Holy Ghost. Somebody is going to have revival. If the church doesn't want it, then this is what we will have. I believe God wants revival. And I believe that God is with us. And I believe that God's waiting for us. And I'm telling you, I believe that when you speak, people will be convicted. And that you lead them to Jesus Christ and make a disciple you know uh, who was with me in Kenya, Africa when Randy brought that prostitute to our table? Who was with me? You, you were, okay. And there were others, and uh, Randy brings his prostitute over to the table. I'm thinking, Randy, Nikki is going to kill you what are you doing? Randy says, well, I've been witnessing to her. I said, okay. And uh, she's of a group of prostitutes that habitate this lobby and all that. I said, okay. And he said, so I've been telling her about Jesus, about the crusade. He said, "Uh, so... I told her to take the night off, and I gave her $150. He said, I just wanted to bring her over here to introduce her to you guys. So the other guys started giving her money. I'm thinking, you think I'm going home and tell Phil, hey, you know that $2 that you gave me, I gave to a prostitute. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so I didn't. But then there was one guy, Mike Blow, he gives her a Bible. And then Randy says, "Well, you know she prayed and received Jesus. I'm thinking for 150 bucks, I'd pray the sinner's prayer again too." <laughs> well, you know what? Never heard anything from that woman for all these ages. Was it yesterday or Friday? He gets this text from this prostitute that he led to Jesus Christ. And she says, I just want to let you know that I have my two children with me. I now have a fiancé. I work at a shop now. I don't prostitute anymore. I've come out of that, and God has helped me. And I just wanted to tell all the men at that table and the man that gave me my Bible, I wanted to tell you guys, thank you. She said, you will never know what you did for my life. When you look at her now, she doesn't look like a prostitute. Randy said, I think I'm going to try to get before pictures and after pictures. And uh, this girl, probably 12, 1 o'clock at night, Randy's walking the foyers. I don't know what he thinks he's going to find, but he found a soul. He found a soul. Yeah, but she's a prostitute, and you were a sinner. And Randy led her to the Lord, so simple, in in the middle of a hotel lobby. And I'm thinking, Randy, good, gee, He was looking, and I was eating. That woman gave her life to Jesus, and it took, it took. I'm going to ask you. I don't know what lobby you live in. I don't know what lobby that you walk around. I'm going to ask you to find somebody in that lobby. She may look like she belongs to the master of darkness, but every sinner does. So I want you to start helping me to win the world to Jesus Christ. No greater reward would we have than we could bring people to Jesus by the thousands. Bill Scoggins, how long you been saved? Almost 30 years. I remember the day that God challenged me, he said, if you'll sow this seed, I will bring Bill Scoggins to Jesus. I said, I like Bill, but he ain't worth no thousand dollars. <laughs> well, that was 30 years ago. Thousand bucks was thousand bucks. So I gave it to a man named Mike Atkins, a singer. And about a week or two weeks later, when we moved into a new building, here come Bill Scoggins. I said, Hey Bill, where's Betty? He said, "Ah, oh, she's uh, in Arkansas visiting her sister and her mother. Bill had come on his own, yeah. and you know what? Bill gave his life to Jesus Christ, yeah. and for 30 years he's been saved. Who would have thought?" So I'm going to dismiss you with this. Find somebody. And introduce them to Jesus. Make a disciple of them. Amen? Stand to your feet. Father, in the name of Jesus, things that we need to do, things that we believe in God, things God that are doctrinal to us, based upon real truths, that your word is infallible. It's unchangeable. The Holy Ghost is our partner, that prayer is a necessity, that, God, we are people that give. We are people, God, that will not compromise your word for our way. God, your eyes are running to and fro. Let them fall on us today. Show yourself strong and mighty. Show yourself, God, strong and mighty. I hear, God, I hear the moving of kitchen chairs in families. God, families are going to come to Jesus.